With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3, wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Young. Good as always to have you with us. Are you an I person or an E person? This is the opening question for Chinese Gen Z making friends these days. It stems from the popularity of MBTI personality tests. We take a stab at explaining the mysterious popularity of possibly meaningless personality assessment tests. And we're on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our Motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week. For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line, first on today's show. How does, let's say, an INTJ handle being surrounded by ENFPs or ENTPs, or maybe an ENTJ and some INFPs and INFJs? I'm sharing this alphabet soup with you for a reason. These mysterious combinations of alphabet letters refer to the 16 personality types based on the MBTI personality test. And some young people these days like to identify themselves as I people or E people just to break the ice in conversation. And it's almost like a secret code. So tell us how people are utilizing this code in making friends or not. Well, I would say people are using this kind of MBTI personality test in a lot of scenarios. And I would say this kind of personality test has been popular for a while, but somehow recently just regained popularity. And especially, as you said, among its several indicators, there is the introversion and extroversion dimension, which describes how a person manages their energy. And the traits of you know I people and E people have become the focus of discussions. You know, people sort of are people sort of start to label themselves as an I or an E in many occasions. And there are even various social experiments to explore how introverts and extroverts react in different scenarios. For example, in April, there's a vlogger who published two videos on Bilibili, where he separately invited a group of introverts and extroverts to a karaoke for a singing party, and he just records the entire process. So, so the videos were quite interesting and sparked huge discussion on the internet. Um, I checked those videos. Um, each of them has uh, over 2 million views Ooh. for now. I mean, so in those videos, very interestingly, you know, in a piece of video where I people are gathered together, the atmosphere is kind of awkward. You know, people are shy and they are not at ease. You can basically tell and they barely talk with each other. But then in another video where a group of E people or extroverts are gathering in a, in a KTV, you know, although many of them are just uh, like they are strangers for each other and they have met with each other before, they start to like warm up and start to chat with each other and sing and dance like a huge party. So, you know, these two pieces of video somehow make a lot of net users feel Oh, I can totally relate to them, and uh, this is exactly me, and they, and that's exactly how an I person handle 
a daily social occasion, or that's exactly how an E person handle、uh, some scenarios like this. So it seems like you know people are quite eager to observe how I people or E people act differently, and they even some interesting clashes or awkward moments when they are together, and they try to find something they can relate to themselves. Okay, and I'm just wondering, you know, for the E folks, the introvert folks. Hanging out, maybe they're enjoying the peace and quiet. You know, it doesn't have to be a noisy party. Or, I'm not sure. It feels like there's maybe a little sense of judgment that might be seeping through. Josh, what do you think of this popularity or this penchant among some people to want to be grouped with a certain flock of folks? I suppose. Well, I guess that there's nothing particularly wrong with people wanting to meet up with other people who are like-minded. This is what people do, right? We we like to get together and do the things we like doing with people that also like doing them. But I don't really like this, and I think that、um, it's a massive. We should be careful not to overgeneralize and stereotype the massive complexities of the human personality and. I think that nobody is completely E or、mm -hmm. I or、um, S is sensing right, and N is、uh, intuition. All of these letters, whatever they are, you are not one of them. The we are way too complex for this.、Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a little bit sad, to be honest.、Uh, when I hear about this, I think that we shouldn't really. Um, I just feel like it shouldn't be directly connected to friendship for some reason. I don't know. Just something about it just makes me a little bit sad.、Mm. Um, so yeah, I think we should be cautious. Yeah, and what I'm gonna say now might make you even feel even sadder, my friend.、Um, apparently, for decades, this has not only been used. Possibly in the friend making setting, but also a lot of organizations like big companies in the U.S., for example, have been using this kind of、uh, personality test in trying to get to know their employees, and that's the part that makes me feel like even more freakish of how this can be used and how grotesquely wrong it could. Be, in my opinion, it's just grouping people by certain traits. It's just an idea that I don't really like because I really, I know this. This is just something I believe in. I suppose the individualistic and idiosyncrasies of the human being. But anyway, a lot of people are into this, and let's try to find out, you know, what's going on in people's minds. Like in the past on the show, we've talked about. Extroverts and introverts, and they occupy at two opposite ends of this personality spectrum. And in the middle, there's plenty of ground for ambiverts, and that explained a lot of stuff. And one of the merits, possibly, and also a selling point of this more slightly more complex、uh, personality test with the four letters that apparently sums up a person's personality. Is that apparently you know there are more indices and criteria, and therefore it should work better than some of the more loose terms of、um, personality tests. And well, actually, people there are like very opposite views on whether this is something that they would that people take seriously about. So. Lee, I wonder,、um, with some research, how do you explain so many people who enjoy taking this kind of tests and sharing them too? <laughs> yeah.、Uh, well, I would say, you know, for me,、um, actually, I have done this kind of MBTI. Personality test before, and、uh, I also kind of encourage my friends to do it because I think it's fun. It's、mm -hmm. only fun. But then, if we talk about why a lot of people are using this kind of personality test as a way to make friends and also even as an indicator for them to seek jobs at workplace, maybe I would say、um, this kind of personality test offers a quick fix for self-discovery. You know, as Josh said, I think each person is quite complex. It's it's quite complicated, and also you know talking about your personality traits, they 
can be fluid. I mean, they can be like changing all the time and influenced by various factors. But the thing is that you know to understand who you are and to truly know who you are and to understand and accept. The complexity of your personality is kind of a challenging job. It need to take a long time, and also it need you to really, you know,、uh, pay efforts to observe yourself and your behaviors. It's kind of a tough task. But then, you know, this kind of personality test just、uh, emerge as a quick fix for you. You just need to spend ten minutes and answering a few questions, and then they'll just、uh, give you. A result in telling you who you are, and for people who are eager to find who they are yet are not are not willing to spend enough time to discover who they really are, <laughs> maybe this kind of test is just a quick fix, and that can just save time, and then it can also you know help them to label themselves and somehow. Or use it in social occasions to find a sense of belongings. I guess.、Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've taken the test, and I've taken the test、yes. as well. Josh is the only one that hasn't.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> keeping it mysterious.、Um, do you think the test results do truly reflect who you are, or to a large extent that it does? I thought. It's kind of accurate, and、uh, when I first took the test, because my test results told me that I'm an INFJ, and according to its of- official website, you know, this kind of personality is the is the rarest, or you know, the least personality test you can find、uh, or on this planet. However, you know, after you know sharing my results in the office, I accidentally find there are three <laughs> INFJs. <laughs> In that corner of of our office, so I start to you know rethink that oh maybe you know this kind of personality test, maybe they can be accurate, but you know somehow they are also trying to, you know tell you that you are so unique and that kind of feeling just to make you feel good、mm. and you. Just、uh, somehow reinforce that、um, you know personality result, and、oh. you just、uh, keep to believe it in it. So then I start to you know question maybe the test. I mean the results of the test, but yeah, I would say it can still be helpful for you to understand who you are, and maybe it can also be helpful as a tool to understand who you are, and maybe even as a guidance to, you know, to have deeper understanding of yourself, and also it can. Offer some like suggestions for your career and personal growth, and if you are eager to find out more about it, maybe it can also be helpful. Right.、Mm-hmm. I appreciate everything you just said, but I'm still a little bit hung up on. Please decipher those four letters <laughs> of the combo for us again. Yeah. Um. There are actually four dimensions. No, no. And, it's, it's just、uh, it's just you.、Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah,、um, me. Um, <laughs> INFJ. You want to know more about my type? Yeah. What does that stand for again? Um, I stand for introvert, and N stands for intuition, and F feeling. So that means I don't know really what that stands for. Maybe it means I tend to rely on my you know feelings and and、uh, first intuition instead、yeah. of very logical thinking, and then in the end J is kind of judging. So it's、um, rather than perceiving. So that means if you are a J, maybe you like to make a lot of plans before you actually conduct something, and that make you feel assured. Thank yes, you very that's much. That's my type. Yeah. See, like it, this is already creating, in a way, barriers to like sift through some、mm-hmm. people who don't understand this, and、um, and immediately if the other person. Um, speaks the same code language, then you click, and you're like, "Oh, now we can have、yeah. conversation. We're of the same group of people. At least we're all taking this test, and we、yes. have something to talk about." And I've been through those social occasions, Josh, when、um, people say, "Oh, I am such and such," and、mm-hmm. and and then I'm like, "Uh, blank." Now I know I am a ENTJ, which is extroverted, intuitive, thinking, and judging. Okay, and、um, <laughs> and it surprised me because, see, I have no faith in this test anymore because I think inside of me I am actually an introverted person. I enjoy my own time,、mm-hmm. and、um, yeah, and it says that I'm an extroverted person. That is like 
86% um, dominating that scale. And uh, yeah, and this makes me question like, do we need to rely on somebody else or an institution? By the way, apparently this institution or this publisher can rake in 20 million US dollars every year just by uh, publishing these tests and have like people all around the world to go take them. And mm. And rely on them to tell me who I am? Excuse me. I'm not really up for that. So, Josh, some thoughts here? Well, I think that all of this basically speaks to our innate human desire to be accepted and also to understand ourselves. right? I think that's why these tests are so profitable. It's the same with astrology and star signs. Absolutely no scientific evidence to support it, but it's still a massive industry. And people really rely on this uh, to some degree in order to find themselves, to define themselves. And I guess to play devil's advocate, because you know my feelings about it, but still, although it does put up barriers sometimes and it could arguably restrict us and define us in the wrong way, I guess that finding that, identity whether it be through something as simplistic as four letters which is definitely i agree with you definitely oversimplified and there's even a lot of evidence to suggest that that shows that when people take the test multiple times they get different results so mm -hmm. you know but still we want that validation we want to know our personality um because it helps people to find insights into their strengths and weaknesses and um i guess know themselves better which for whatever reason, as humans, this is what we want, right? I think everybody wants to feel understood and accepted and validated. Mm -hmm. And that starts with, um, you know, a sense of validation from understanding oneself. So uh, it's a massive industry. And I think that it always will be a big business, whether it's healthy and good for us. I'm pretty skeptical, but that's just me. Yeah, well, I suspect we've got already a bunch of listeners out there shaking their heads because you just attacked <laughs> well not attack but um showed your position towards astrology <laughs> i did and i will <laughs> and these personality <laughs> <I'm sorry>. tests <laughs> all those things which is perfectly fine you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion to a subject like this of course um and yeah i think it's just people love having answers mm. And in this world, like after you've graduated college, we just don't have answers to anything. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and we love well. easy explanations to complex things like human identity. And we love putting things and especially people into boxes. And maybe this is something that we don't really want to admit to, but I think it exists to a certain level. And that's what uh, personality assessment tests or this uh, MBTI thing does and it tells you that you're so-and-so a kind of person and this is how you think in so-and-so situations and there's the most comforting thing that there are other people exactly like you and they share the same four letters and the thing is if we treat this like some kind of instruction manual and organize our lives or the way we conduct our lives uh, according to it, or, well, maybe as a reference point, that's okay. But if we're like too focused on this or let this thing dictate how we behave, then that might be just going a little bit too far. And that might make us miss out on a lot of things, a lot of beautiful scenery that otherwise we could allow ourselves to enjoy. Exactly. You know, I would say, you know, relying too much on this kind of classified personality test can somehow build certain limits for itself because uh -huh. I kind of, you know, experienced that before because uh, I took that test and uh, according to results, I'm an I, you know, an introvert. But then, you know, that kind of concept just, uh, you know, keeps reinforcing my mind. Um, it's so 
Uh, it's so prevailing that you know, in certain social occasions, which I truly enjoy myself, and I just、uh, can't stop talking, with, you know, with my friends.、Uh-huh. And somehow,、um, there was a moment, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, "Oh, stop! I should be an I. So why am I so active right now?" So you see, you know, if you are, you know, into this kind of personality test too much, you are sort of, you know, building barriers for yourself because you would think that I am just、uh, that type. So maybe I should behave like. Like that type, and if I have something you know quite different from the traits you know shown by that type, that's abnormal. But you know that's、uh, totally wrong. That's、mm. totally in,、uh, not correct. So don't rely too much on this kind of personality test. And also, as Josh said, I think we should, you know, try to you know be cautious about this kind of overgeneralization you know brought up by this personality test because it can somehow hinder. The process of understanding who you really are, and also understanding who other people are really are. Yeah. Because when you know, you know, this person is an I or an E, you just kind of label himself or herself as an I or E. So you think that should be the way you act and or talk, and、uh, that can just,、uh, yeah, be negative. Yeah. yeah, it really can.、Um, also, Josh, I think you're the perfect person to answer this question.、Um, well, we know how you feel about it,、um, and、mm. so really, how accurate do you think it might be? I mean, it—I don't think necessarily we'd say it's 100% bogus, but、uh, there's definitely some level of psychology apparently that is involved in all of this, and.、Uh, Yeah. So enlighten us. Can this thing be used to define one's personality to a certain extent? Well, the Myers Briggs test is it's based on on the assumption that individuals fit into distinct personality types, right?、Mm-hmm. So, I guess that if one believes that to be true, which I personally don't think that it's that simple. I think that it's more on a A continuum and can change, but I guess it and and if that's the case, then the whole test is completely debunked because <laughs> if we don't right, if if we don't fit into one, then the test is is sort of useless and unless you do it regularly. But I think the test would have to be redesigned in that way. So I guess that there's some validity there because I guess that you, one might argue that you can fall into a distinct personality type at that point in your life. But then maybe you need to keep doing the test. I don't know. That's the only validity that I can see to it. To be honest,、mm-hmm. um, is if one believes that you are one distinct personality, which a lot of people do, right?、Um, and I, I may be wrong here. I'm not a professional, but、um, yeah. yeah. So if if that's the case, then there's definitely validity to it. Right. Well, at least it attempts to、um, try to explain people. Identify them according to these sixteen personality types, instead of the just introvert or extrovert.、Sure. So、uh, maybe that's one step up. What do you think, Li Yi? Um, I would say、uh, we can use this kind of maybe sixteen personality test as a tool for you know self awareness and personal growth, but. Don't really confine yourself to, you know, really rigid labels or stereotypes given, you know, solely given by this kind of personality test. Because although it has given sixteen personality types, which、um, a little more than you know the twelve constellation or kind of blood types that a lot of people are referring to when understanding themselves, but still, I think. Each person can be so complicated. You can be introvert and extrovert at、mm-hmm. the same time, as in the way you can love a person and meantime hate a person at the same time. So it can be really complicated. So I feel like, especially for young people, you know, don't take it too seriously because that's not really the only way for you to understand who you are and also understand the world.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not really like black or white. It can be like gray. You know,、mm-hmm. it can be like a mixed area. Yeah, yeah, even four letters of a combination isn't enough to explain who you are.、Yes. Um, but also, we see, due to the popularity of this kind of、uh, personality assessment test, people are seriously reacting to it. 
And this is the part that I find to be really interesting. Like, okay, I can give you a couple examples. Um, one is being I, but acting E and only act like an E at home. So um, one is like, it, it sounds really strange. E. Odd. And the other is E. And then, so yeah, um, or acting like E only during the day, so e and fake e until real e, It sounds like people are under a lot of stress to be more e over i, and that just repeats a stereotype that I hate so much that extroverts apparently are just more popular than introverts when actually introverts can be just the most amazing human beings ever. So. Yes, and um, these kind of personal assessment profiles give people or organizations, if we're talking about employment, the comforting illusion of understanding something important about human complexity. And if this MBTI didn't do it, I think something else just might. It's part of human nature. You're listening to Roundtable, coming up next. Does muting your phone reduce phone use? Sorry to break it to you, not really. Stay tuned and find out more on that. D-Dime, a podcast of CGT Radio. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, if we know our smartphones ruin our concentration, does keeping it on silent solve the problem? And unfortunately, the answer is no. So we'll investigate why. And our special segment, Motivational Monday, coming your way, will give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. And if you have questions that you want us to answer on social issues, business, technology, or whatever moves your spirit, you can send those our way. There's a place to do it. EZFMRoundtable at Foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but let me just say this. Voice memos are always better because we're a radio show after all. It'd be great to hear your voice. And now our roundtable as we continue today's discussion. Most of you would agree we cannot live without our smartphones and in turn, they occupy too much of our time. The numerous app notifications can be a distraction disaster. And why not mute your phone for better concentration while studying or working? But research has shown, contrary to popular belief, that muting notifications might only make you check your phone more. Yes, this is according to a study named The Sound of Silence Does Muting Notifications Reduce Phone Use, published in September 2022 in a journal, Computers and Human Behavior. And, uh, you know, researchers just tested the effects of silencing notifications and they surveyed 138 iPhone users over a four-day period, and they basically asked them to report their phone usage from the Screen Time tool. And this tool allowed the researchers to get data about whether notifications were turned on or off, and also how many notifications were received each day, and as well as the total time spent people spent on their phones and the number of times they pick up their phones. And among these correspondents the majority always use the vibrant mode on their phones, while only 13% prefer to have their phones set to ring mode only, and only 9% opt for complete silent mode. And the results were quite interesting or surprising. People were more likely to check their phones when notifications were silent rather than when they were turned on. You know, for example, they're just constantly checking their notifications and using social media apps. 
also, according to this survey, those people who have chosen not to enable the ring mode on their phones are even more inclined to pick up their devices rather than those who enable the ring mode. So it's quite contrary to the popular belief that muting notifications can help you concentrate and somehow it just make you even more curious about what the messages are and what's happening, you know, in that small phone. So just like constantly check your phone. Quite interesting. Yeah, indeed. So when we say mute the notifications, does that mean, let's say if you get a phone call, does that get through too? Does the phone start ringing or is does that go to mute too? I think um, either vibrate mode or on the silent mode. Okay. Uh, it's just not ringing. Right. Yes. Okay. And the vibration might just be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the buzz. Oh, that's like, it just makes me nervous. It's like, a, yeah, in my opinion, it's the worst. What about you, Josh? What do you think of, um, you know, these different modes? Ring, vibration, silent and its effect to our behavior or our psychology in this sense. Well, as I've said on the show before, I'm a massive fan of the sound of silence. I, I think that there are way too many audio cues um, and auditory icons and notifications going on around us. And um, I think that they need to be, I think more phones do need to be silent, especially in public spaces. I don't know why. I don't think people should be allowed to have their phone make any noise at any point. I think vibrating in your pocket should be enough. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, obviously, minimizing noise. Um, I think that it can really definitely enhance your mental well-being to some degree. But as this story illustrates, we are creatures of habit. And I feel as though our habitual behavior, i.e., picking up the phone all the time and checking it isn't going to go away. This isn't enough to stop you doing that. In fact, I think that it can, I'll be honest, I myself, I, I have no sound on my phone um, at all, and it doesn't even vibrate. I have no idea if anybody calls me at any point, but um, I am pretty good at answering WeChat messages, I think. There's times when I take a break, but usually I'm pretty good at it, and so I think that I may even use my phone more than when I had sound on, actually, oh. because because I'm concerned about missing a message or something like that. So, um, yeah, uh, is it does it really help? I think it is worth doing, but you've still got to you've still got to break that habit, which is very difficult to do. Yeah. Well. Can't we make a compromise? I'm always trying to search for the middle ground. Because, um, again, I hate it to be defined by anybody else. And I hate it that my day's action and behavior is dictated by a device, a phone, you know. And therefore, and also you kind of need to read your social norm as well. And I think these days, if you get a phone call, then that's truly an emergency because people don't really call each other anymore mm -hmm. so for example like in our media organization we're supposed to be on call 24 hours around the clock that's just part of the job therefore i leave my phone ring on so if i get a phone uh phone call in and then my phone will start singing michael jackson's scream and therefore no way to uh miss on that um, but for WeChat and every other thing, then it's on mute. So, mm. uh, yeah, that's my way of coping with it because I don't want to be checking my phone all the time, nor do I want to be notified that, oh, somebody just, you know, sent you a message. And usually it's something not urgent. So you mute your WeChat notifications yes. while you keep your phone ringing for phone calls. Yeah. But does that make you even more curious about who are sending you WeChat messages so that you just constantly check your WeChat app? Oh, that's a very good question. And my answer is, it doesn't bother me because mm. I realize, well, if it's really important work stuff, people will ring me. And, uh, and let's just face it, sorry, friends out there. Um, 
A hundred percent of what people send are useless. They don't deserve my attention. Like at least it doesn't deserve my instant attention. And this is what I. Am I being too negative here, or maybe I've just seen through all the crap that is the vast majority of communication we have every day on our smartphone is completely useless. It's a waste of time, and why be so caught up? With it, because the more you check, the more you want to be checking and you want to be engaged with people. When really, they do not deserve your time. Okay, period. <laughs> you know how I feel about this. But again, plenty of folks out there don't see it this way. Yes. Yes, and please be the voice of these <laughs> folks for us, Lee. Well, I would say you know, for some people, including me, when. You know, when we try to be concentrated, and we would just、uh, try to mute our phone notifications because we don't really want to be disrupted by those messages or social media apps. But the thing is that I just realized that you know, when when I'm really concentrated on something, for example, doing house chores at home or you know doing some sports where、uh, where I have to be like 100% concentrate, I'll just keep my phone. On the ring mode because I know if there's something important, I can just immediately know it. However, for the social media apps, I just ignore them when I'm truly concentrate on the thing I'm doing. But then, if I want to make myself concentrate, I would just try to mute those notifications as. This research paper suggests, because I know, you know, I won't be that concentrated, so I have to force myself, you know, in that way. And in the end, it just makes us to be even more curious about what's happening in that phone. And、um, maybe in the end,、uh, that's not really very helpful for us. But anyway, I would say, you know, there are some people who are trying to, you know, quit some bad habit of constantly checking their phones, and maybe muting notifications can be. Helpful. However, it may not always work,、mm -hmm. and、um, maybe there's one suggestion that you know maybe you can silence parts of your notifications. Maybe you just silence, you just mute some apps you think not important. For example, for you, social media apps are not so important, and you don't really think you have to be 24 hour online for those apps. You can just mute them. But then for phone calls, you keep them on ring mode or vibrant mode. That's one way to deal with、mm. it. Yes. Yeah, and also for me, I wonder there probably are people like myself out there who, you know, you've been using these apps for about a decade now. So you've, well, I still remember I went through a phase of being completely obsessed about Facebook, completely obsessed about Weibo. And completely obsessed about WeChat, but then you know, after some time using it, and you're like, okay, now I need to figure out what is a good routine for me that is good for your mental health and not have your attention sucked by other people's posts. Which, again, they don't care what you think, really. They just want to get a like or get some nice words, and and your contribution mentally doesn't go. To them, you're the one that's suffering. So then, why just put yourself in that situation? And that's sort of like a learning curve that、um, I think some of us have gradually adopted.、Um, Josh, do you think that constantly checking your phone is inherently bad, and therefore we need to talk about all these ways to stop doing it? I do. I do think that it's pretty bad.、Um, I think that. Phones, especially, are when it comes to technology, are real sources of anxiety, and being notified all the time, being alerted all the time. An alert that the meaning of the word alert and notification is to sort of bring you out of your normal way of thinking, your normal moving. Right? It's supposed to put a stop in there. It's supposed to, you know, make your heart rate increase slightly and make you take notice of something. And if you're doing that all the time. It's it's bad for your health.、Um, this is why I don't. I also don't understand smartwatches. I mean, I understand them,、mm -hmm. but my goodness, it isn't it enough to have it in your pocket, but to have it on physically on your wrist. I mean, my God, it, it, just the idea of it uh, is uh, yeah. I I think it's it's definitely negative.
Mm. Hey, Josh, but you're somebody who's into, you know, fitness and stuff. Mm. <laughs> and isn't that what the uh, smartwatch tracks? You know, all these metrics of your heart rate, steps you've taken, etc. And mm. when you want to keep record of those things? Actually, yes, but you can get smartwatches that are much more simple and that, you know, th that kind of technology, you know, measuring your steps and your heart rate and things like this has been around for a while. You don't need a, a watch that notifies you when you're doing it. Mm. In fact, when you're exercising, it should be a time when you're, I think, when you should be taking a break from this. Uh, <laughs> I try to do that anyway. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the technology is amazing, but the line between um, being helpful and just being a distraction, is, for me, it's pretty clear. I'm, uh, and maybe it's because I'm easily distracted. That might be why. I mean, uh, maybe if I did this Myers-Briggs test, that's what it would tell me, but I, think I didn't that's, do it. So you know, Josh, I, I, think, know. <laughs> I think that's exactly why you are not into smart watches or any other kind of devices like this, because you are not curious about you know, or you are not even wanting to, you know, constantly checking your phones. Yet for those people who want to, you know, who can't help checking their phones, yet they are trying to quick this bad habit, maybe smart watch can also be a good choice because you can simply, you know, identify who are messaging you. And if it's something not important, you can just ignore it. But then if something important, you can just respond to it. So it's okay. kind of a way for you to save your energy, save parts of your energy. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> I wonder if that can only work with kids like you, you know, who are like <laughs> tech savvy, who don't hate technology. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And who grow up uh, using technology. And mm. yeah, a lot of, um, I feel young people in this country are have a very friendly attitude towards technology. And they think that it, it improves a lot of things, despite the downside of things, which we do talk about on the show. Yeah, well, yeah. you can't really deny, you know, the good side brought by technology, especially smartphone in mm -hmm. this case. I mean, they can make people connected. And especially, I mean, during the pandemic, uh, yeah. we rely on so much, you know, smartphones and other kind of online yeah. devices and the platforms. And also, it can also be a way for you to assess information. Right. And so there are reasons why they're here. I mean, it's yeah. just, it just a way way we're using them yeah but you know what the biggest disaster i've seen um regarding this so far is uh, one day i'll not say who and uh <laughs> uh i don't know was it a phone call or a message M maybe a wechat call or something anyway it came in and then so this colleague's smartphone smart watch <laughs> and other gadgets just all went ballistic at the same time and i was like oh this is giving me a minor heart attack you know <laughs> that's how connected some of us are and uh, and he seemed to have dealt with it um with with uh, calmness and uh yeah i just can't do it <laughs> and yeah. There's a, a lot of discussion about how can we protect our focus from being sidetracked when it comes to smartphone use. Well, relating directly to our first topic today, I think this is an occasion where knowing yourself, although I think knowing yourself is useful generally in life, but knowing your habits is really important. And then you need to find a way to establish boundaries that work around your personality. For example, I, I told you guys that although I don't have any sound on my phone, I, I do use my phone too much. I, I am constantly distracted by my phone. And my habits are very strong. They can be very good. For example, I, I do exercise quite a lot, but my negative habits can also be very strong. I, I'm, I'm definitely a person of, of habits, strong habits. And so for me, um, I, I had to do something called, or I still do things called digital detoxes. Mm -hmm. So this isn't particularly sustainable or even necessary for everybody, but for me, that works. And it's almost like, sometimes people call it a dopamine fast as well, like fasting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've heard this term. So I, I occasionally take a whole day 
it's hard to be honest in China, uh, given how much uh, I'm contacted on WeChat every day, but I can take a whole afternoon or a day or even just when I go to the gym, for example. So this evening I'll go to the gym and I will turn, I will not look at my phone for that hour. And this helps me because it sort of resets your brain um, a little bit, not completely, but um, it definitely helps. So this is this is one thing that that I do that helps me. But um, this is not medical uh, professional advice, and it may not work for everybody. Yeah, I think it can be helpful because I used to practice this kind of digital detox for a while, and um, I think it it can just help you to get used to. A period of time without phones, without notifications, and without having to be stay online for twenty four hours a day. But then,、um, fundamentally, I would also, you know, recommend a way, you know, if for those people who are trying to stop constantly checking their phones, this might sound far fetched.、Um, just to try meditation because that's a good way for you to practice, you know, being mindful. For a few minutes or few hours, even, and、um, just、uh, getting to a new habit like meditation can help you to become more conscious of the present moment, you know, the here and now, and it, it can also help you to get into the practice of being here, you know, rather than, you know, later and、uh, or the future or, or or wondering who else is saying something online, you know, just to practice that a little bit. Maybe on a daily basis, and then you can just get used to the fact that I can live without my smartphones, <laughs> and maybe that's、yeah. just a small tip.、Mm-hmm. That's a really good one.、Um, you just gave me the idea for maybe a future motivational Monday or <laughs> potentially happy place. Being present. I mean,、yes. two little words actually it encapsulates. Something so big、yes. and something a lot of us we feel we lack. And、uh, one other interesting finding of this research or explanation of this research is that the fear of missing out, oh the dear old FOMO, it makes you want to check your phone more. And apparently there's <laughs> its cousin FOBO, which is the fear of better options. And yeah,、um, can we reiterate for folks? FOMO. Well, maybe it's something that we might just well. It's something that we might just well flush down the toilet or try to live with it in a way that it doesn't act so negatively towards us. Yes. Um. You know, I think actually a lot of people, especially in modern time, experience this kind of FOMO. It's just the fear, you know. Other people are having great experiences without you, and so that's why you just、uh, spend more time online, check your smartphones more frequently. But really, FOMO can have negative effect on your mental health because FOMO is suggested to have a negative impact on an individual's mental state.、Uh, frequently checking and, and refreshing social networking sites、um, can really heighten levels of anxiety. And increase emotional tension, and、uh, even decrease your ability to regulate your emotions. And research also suggests that FOMO has been associated with insomnia.、Uh, it's believed that the blue light emitting from the screen of electronic devices can affect your sleep. And more importantly, FOMO also can. Uh, hurt your productivity if people are responding to frequent notifications. This uses repeated task switching, which is believed to affect attention span, interrupt your work, and even impair your overall productivity. So, if you think you are suffering from this FOMO, so that's why,、uh, so that's what keeps you constantly checking your phone. Please stop it right now. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing that I find is that. As I get older, as everybody does, you stop caring about FOMO. FOMO <laughs> fades as you get older.、Awesome. The、yeah. time that you have just to sit at home in your house or your apartment or whatever, just with some snacks and just <laughs> watch TV <sighs> and maybe open a bottle of wine.、Ooh. That's the FOMO I get. I get I get FOMO when I'm out at events and social gatherings to want to be back home on my、oh, own alone. So I know that、um, feeling. So FOMO gets easier, you know.、Yeah. Combating it in the moment is pretty tricky. I mean, 
um yeah but that yeah. honestly I, I that i used to get it a lot but i just don't anymore yeah. so well, maybe as that next advice. I'm sorry, that was pretty terrible advice. <laughs> That's okay. I have a counter, uh, sort of like a antithesis mm, to FOMO. That is JOMO, <laughs> joy of missing out. Yes, the joy of missing oh. out, a feeling of contentment with one's own pursuits and activities, without worrying over the possibility of missing out on what others may be doing at its core jomo means proudly living life in the slow lane and deriving pleasure from social exclusion Ooh. and that's my mantra today coming up next motivational monday motivational monday Mondays. Yeah, we're all well prepared for this segment. But Josh, we only have time today for you to present the special song that you have recommended for everybody on a Monday. So tell us. Well, this song is, for me, one of the most motivational, joyous, and uplifting songs <laughs> ever it might it might be the top of the list i'm not sure um but it, it's definitely one of them and it's just a song that gives fills me with nostalgia and the melody and the vocal performance the instrumentation every part of it is just so wonderful um one might even say lovely and uh yeah the song the song was released in 1977 and it was written by Bill Withers and Skip Scarborough. Fantastic name. And um, it was a commercial success. It peaked at uh, number 30, um, apparently on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in the United States. But um, I'm, I'm not sure uh, if that really matters because now it's just so well known that you, you can hear it in movies, TV. I'm sure that everybody will probably have heard it before. The song is called Lovely Day by Bill Withers. And I, I think that it's really timeless because of its positive message. And it's just, just such a feel good anthem. And I think it just works so perfectly for Motivational Monday. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm so happy to share it with you guys. And I'm sure many of you have heard it before. Yeah, finding happiness and contentment can frequently be as easy as concentrating on the people and experiences that make you happy. And the song kind of serves as a reminder, in my opinion. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Lee, for joining the discussion. And please enjoy Bill Withers' Lovely Day. We'll see you next time on Roundtable. When I wake up in the morning, love. Sunlight hurts my eyes 